So welcome to Life After, Natasha Jonas. Thank you. Thanks for having me. An actual Olympian. We are in the grace of somebody, somebody very special today. You didn't bring your medal with you. <laughs> no, no. You didn't bring any kind of any form of uh, Olympic ID just to show that you definitely. I was. Uh, my bag's in the car. We little bitch, but put on the cap yeah. to make sure the woman sees. Do, do, you, do you hang anything from your rearview mirror? Just, <laughs> just to remind. <laughs> so just people know who they're messing with when they're driving beside uh, you. Right? It always the boxing show thing. Yeah. My little girl throws it in in school now. She's like, I'm going to get my mum to batter you. <laughs> Said that to a teacher and oh, the teacher told us to sit down in assembly. Probably well known round by ours that the Jonas girls are worse than the Jonas oh, lad. Yeah. So, my nan used to always say this saying, you've got three names in life. One you're given, one you inherit, and the other you make for yourself. Just watch me play the best game of footy ever, as if they're not going to let me in, yes, regardless yeah. of my test results. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I failed, and they were like, yeah, you can't come in. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. This time on Life After, we speak to... Natasha Jonas, a female boxer. Hold on a minute. What? She's not just a female boxer here. Ah, oh, this is true. She's an Olympian. We're in the presence of royalty. Life After. Natasha, you've had a fantastic career. You've managed to mix it with the best. Um, where did it all start for you? Are we talking the very beginning? Let's go right to the beginning. So then there was an egg, and there was my mum, and there was me. That's a good beginning. <laughs> there was, um, I grew up in a house um, not far from where we are today. Um, we are in the Malmaison, by the yeah. way, people listening. Um, yeah, so um, with my nan and me, um, a lot of my cousins, um, and I had two older boy cousins who... I was always out and about and there was a lot of kids in my nan's house at the time so we weren't allowed to just sit in the house because yeah. we used to do my nan's head and she was like get out <laughs> all of you get out so that's what we did and because I was with the two older boys you just tend to do what boys do which is like ride your bike play footy you know climb trees whatever it was I just lo- loved being outside and being active and we was encouraged to, to do that mm. I was quickly found a love for football and I was probably better than the two lads by the time we went to school but they'd never admit that but I was um, and my love for sport just continued in, in school and throughout school and um, I went to a university on a scholarship to America playing football oh, wow. and that's incredible I got injured there playing I decided to come home at, at like I didn't really go there for the education side I wanted to go and be the next Mia Ham who was like the Ronaldo of women's football at the time. Um, and I watched the World Cup and I watched their play and I was like, oh my, I'm well better than her. <laughs> all I need to do is get myself to America. She was, I think, the first woman to ever sign a, a million pound sponsorship boot deal with Nike. Yeah, so I, I'd already spent this million pound that I hadn't got. I thought, yeah, I'm going to have a house like they do on Cribs and do all this. <laughs> um, and then when I came home, I was told I'd never play football again. And I was just so down and... You know, I tried to be normal and go back into the, the normal world and get jobs. I had about seven how jobs. Old, how old were you at that point? I'm 20 at okay. this time. I had seven jobs in one year. It's just, now that I probably, as an adult looking back, I probably think I was a little bit depressed, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, the likes of, you know, Wayne Rooney had just broken into the Everton team and it was 16. Um, I think Kat Johnson-Thompson had broken all the junior and schoolgirl records and she was on her way up. She was about 10 or something, 13 at the time. Um, Beth Tweddle had just won a Commonwealth Games medal. These were all people who were like 15, 16, and I was like 20 or 4. I was going to be someone, I'd, I'd already done it by now. I think when you're a sports person, 
or, or you work in creative. And, and there's some similarities between the two industries, to be honest with you. It's really difficult to go off and get what you'd describe as a normal kind of job because you always feel this really passionate pull back into what you love doing and for you, sport. You know, whether it's a team or individual sport, you're always like target related and you're, you're like, I don't think that being in an office, especially the jobs I was doing, was satisfying that like crave for like to do better and be better. And with girls in school, it was like people were ashamed that they was good at sport and they didn't want to let the mates know that he was good but while all my mates were smoking and drinking at the weekends I was out playing footy and practicing and stuff so I knew from early that I didn't ever want to be like that I just wanted to be myself and do what I wanted to do um when I was four I was watching the Olympic Games and I said mom I'm going to be there I'm going to be there obviously it took me 105 different sports <laughs> 24 <laughs> years but I, I finally got there in the end and and that's how obviously my mum told me the story and it was it was a nice moment for me and my mum but Coming back from America to England, I finally got my knee brace removed and I put on a lot of weight. And when you move away from a sport, you don't realise, especially football, how social it is. You know, you're in a team situation, you're always at someone's birthday party and someone's nan's party. Or When you lose that, you lose that group of mates. And I was a little bit down and I'd lost that group of mates and I just decided that like enough was enough. Something's got to change. Like I've got to do something because... I just can't go on living like this. I'm back to square one where I've got no job, got no money. I've got no motivation. I've put on weight. I've got no mate. I need to get myself back into something and get motivated to do something else. And that's when I started going to my uncle's gym. Just about that period in time where you really had your heart set on playing that sport and then you were told you couldn't do it. You think you pretty much sank into some kind of depression. That's a really bad situation to be in. Yeah, it was. As I say, when you look around and all these young people were doing such great things in sport. And you knew you could do great things. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. I wanted to, and I just couldn't. Not in the sport that I wanted anyway. I couldn't do it. It was a hard pill to swallow. How did it make you feel on a day-to-day basis that you'd wake up in the morning and it'd be the first thing you'd think? Or At first, it was just, a, just like a kick in the teeth and I, I felt sorry for myself. And, and then it, that turned to like anger and a bit of resentment because I didn't do all the stuff that all the other kids did when they was 15 and drinking on the streets. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't doing that yeah. because I was playing a match the next day or I was angry at that, I'd missed out. Let's talk a little bit about your friends. Do you think they manifested a little bit of negativity and potentially doubt in your head that you potentially couldn't get to your heights of where you want to be? Because ultimately, you know, it's, it's about who you surround yourself with. And it's how you overcome certain hurdles. So would you say that there was a factor in that period of time where you was feeling depressed? There was a, a group of friends at that time um, when I was younger who, you know, I was going out and they wanted to go out too. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that wasn't beneficial for me as an athlete moving forward. But at that time, it was just what young kids did. You know, yeah, they was in sure. uni, they were going out drinking and they were whatever, whatever. And I just tagged along with that. And there's going to be a lot of girls that are going to be listening to this and they see you as a great role model because of what you've achieved in the sport. Mm. So if they're in a difficult situation where, you know, they, they come from an estate and they don't have the things that they need to kind of progress in life, what principles would you say to them to how they could prosper and how they, how they could benefit themselves to move forward? So I mean, I used to always say this saying, um, you've got three names in life, one you're given one you inherit and the other you make for yourself. It kind of resonated with me and stuck with me because I just knew that I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to be a single parent. I didn't want to be poor. 
at the time, I didn't think I was poor because everybody around me was in the same situation. But when I grew up and realised there was a, a, a bigger world out there and there was a lot to be had in it, I was thinking, I don't want to ever be like that. When was the defining moment for you to kind of see that actually this is what I want to do? You had the grip between your teeth and I'm like, right, I'm going to action this and I'm going to do it. So, like I said, I wasn't very great academically mm. and I was playing for Liverpool at the time. Mm. I went to senior school in a different area. It was a bit more affluent. Okay. When I got there, I had the reading age of like a nine-year-old and I was quite far behind. Um, so I kind of like messed around because I was a little bit embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to think, you know, that I was stupid. But I was still always good at sports. I did every single sport that the school offers, but the head of PE... Uh, Miss Maretta, her name was. She, um, I'm laughing because we, we used to hate each other, but now we're so yeah, close. Yeah, I still, really, I still yeah. she comes to me fights and everything. No way. Yeah. She, I still speak to her now because oh, cool. she was. I think she was influential in, in in changing my life. And what happened was, um, she'd never pick me as as a captain for anything that that I was in, even though I was in every single thing that the school did. So I thought, I'm gonna tell her. I'm sick of it. Um, <laughs> so I like knocked on the door. And I was like. Miss, I just need to ask you, why don't you ever choose me as captain? And she was like, oh, Tash, we've been talking about this in the office. You know, you do every single sport that the school offers. You'll always try your best, even if you've never done it. I can rely on you to do the warm up, the cool down, pick fair teams and do all that to help people who aren't as able as you. But when it comes to your lessons, you're on report. You know, you don't come in on time. You you're disruptive it's like that's not the example I want my captain to set that hurt me then because yeah, I, yeah. I put it into a sporting context as I wasn't being a good example and even though I was in sport I wasn't doing that outside the sport which you've got to do yeah. and then I told her why I was acting like that and she was the first person I'd ever told and she made like every single teacher in the school help me out yeah. the university came to see me play football and at the end of the game, they were like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, I'm not going to try and do an American accent. <laughs> they were like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, oh, yeah, we'd love you to have you. You know, be full scholarship. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to America. I'm going to meet this millionaire. Oh, and yeah. then they were like, you got to pass this test. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. When it came to doing the SATs, I took it and thought as if they've just watched me play the best game of footy ever. They're not going to, as if they're not going to let me in, yes, regardless yeah. of my test results. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I failed. And they were like, yeah, you can't come in. Oh, <laughs> So I was like, oh no, like, oh, I, need to, right. I, need to, I need to do something here. So I went back to that same teacher. I was like, look, miss, they, they, they gave me this test. I failed it. I need to get a better score. And she was like, yeah, let me sort it. And she got everyone again to help me. And, and, and she I passed, the books. I, no, I passed it. I passed it the second <laughs> oh, you time. You did it. You yeah, did it again. I, did it. I passed it the second That's time amazing. and went. So, oh, um, congratulations on you for doing that. That's good. Yeah, well, yeah. you really had this like, what happened there? What happened yeah, there? And, no, like, oh, and then you like, you dropped that bombshell yeah, yeah. of you didn't get in. I was like, oh. So yeah, so there was a bigger picture because it wasn't that I couldn't do it. It was that I couldn't be bothered to do it and I wasn't confident in doing it. I didn't have that same confidence as I did taking up a new sport that I did sitting in a lesson and and listening to what the teacher had to say. It is what it is. You you have to go to school and you 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 have to do your best. And so back to your question, (laughs) my message would be work hard, try your best, never give up. But the biggest one is belief in yourself because sometimes no one else will believe in you but apart from yourself. Life after. Do you think it's really important to have influential people like that and surround yourself with people like that in your life that can help coach you forward? Definitely. I've come from a, a family of strong 
on the ball women and it's probably well known around by ours that the Jonas lads are, the Jonas girls are worse than the Jonas lads <laughs> so yeah we're, to have that teacher and that mentor sport and as well as educational yeah. wise she was really important because I, I didn't think I could do it and she told me that I couldn't even though as I've grew older and obviously I still speak to that teacher I know that she was in the same position herself and had come from a, a poorer background and went to a grammar school, got a, uh. a scholarship to a grammar school. So like you're saying, she saw something in me because it was very similar to her own story. That's yeah. massive. Having a strong circle is so, so... And having that, that strong person to influence you 100%. in a positive way yeah, and, and help you realise that you've got to have self-belief and, you know, you've got to push yourself forward. Okay, so you'd come back and you'd finished that and you went to your uncle's karate gym. And I think that's where we kind of left off yeah. 10 minutes ago. So that's where we are in the timeline now. We're, we're, we're chopping and karate kicking at your uncle's gym. Well, I can just, see it now. I'm just going there. I'm just hitting the bags. I'm doing a bit of weight. He's got a running machine. I'm just on the running machine. And there's a, a lady that lives over the road. It was it's in a little bit of a rough area to live. So she used to watch the gym for him. She's like, oh, I've seen you in and out here by yourself all the time. Like, why are you always training by yourself? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, you know, trying to do something, get back into something and get it, lose a bit of weight. And she was like, ah, I've just um, started a, a women's only boxing night at the local gym, you know, the Rotunda. I thought to myself, boxing, who wants to get punched in the face? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't tell her that. I was like, oh yeah, that, that, that sounds good. She was like, oh, you should come along to a good, good group of girls. I think you'll really enjoy it. Didn't go, obviously. Oh, <laughs> so then eventually after a couple of weeks of this happening, it got really embarrassing. You had to go, right? I was running. Yeah. I was like running in the gym thinking, please don't let this woman see me like hiding behind the counter, shutting the curtains when I got in there. But didn't she just pop out and nowhere? Hi, hello. Hi, hello. <laughs> so I was like, right, just to shut this woman up, I'm going to have to go this session. And yeah. when she asked me the next time, I'd be like, look, I didn't like it. Didn't, didn't want, don't want to go anymore. And I went. Um, I'll never forget it. It was Monday night done the session the hardest session yeah, ever yeah. next day I woke up everywhere was sore my legs my, my arms everywhere went back but I thought you know what for the first time in a long time pushed myself there yeah. mm. and I, I, I challenged myself and I, I enjoyed it so I'm going to go back eventually they, they're saying like been there a few months we think you're good enough to have um, a bout what do you think about that I'm like I'm not really scared to do anything I'll, I'll have a go at anything once I was like yeah put my name down I'll do it so it's a club show on a club show, um, obviously it's everyone from your club versus people from up and down the country from different clubs. Uh, Tony Bellews there, because Tony Bellews yeah. in our oh, gym, wow, yeah. snarling everyone. He's like, <laughs> which one's my one? He's getting it. And I was like, oh, I loved being in that little yeah. like that little thing. And like all the Smiths are there, yeah. all, Joe McNally's there, everyone's there. And I was like, oh, this is what's this. Was your transition in, in mentally changing away from football to boxing? Like actually... I really, really, really enjoy this. I really been around these people because they're quite infectious. I've become part of a different team. Yes. I've got yeah. that like team yeah. thing. And even though boxing's very individual sport, when you're training or when you go anywhere, you go as, as a team. Yes. So I've got that little team like mm. spirit and the bond back and that camaraderie. I enjoyed it and be, I enjoyed being around the atmosphere. And our gym was like dead jokey and full of banter and I was like yeah I like this it's like home from home I remember when I, I first stepped in the boxing ring myself um everybody's like you humble just smiley so nice and the late Oliver Harrison was my coach and um he goes right you've never done boxing before I'm not gonna waste my time 
I'm, I want you to get into that ring and you're going to spar a lad called Nav Mansoura. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. When I tell you, he absolutely battered, <laughs> <laughs> battered me. But previously before that, I said to Ollie, I said, Ollie, he's a lot smaller than me. You know, it's a bit of a size difference. He goes, don't you worry and don't, under, <laughs> don't underestimate him. So, yeah. So So it's a baptism of fire. So going back to what you're saying about having those people around you, it is such an infectious culture. And I think one of the most important things is like being in a culture that you can kind of prosper from. Do you know what I mean? Where everybody's pulling in the same direction. And, you know, to have the likes of Tony Bell, you and things like that, it, it makes you want to work kind of harder, doesn't it? Like our gyms are quite a famous amateur gym anyway in Liverpool. Um, we've got lots of world champions. We've had lots of people develop from our amateur club onto the England setup, um, onto the GB setup. So they, they showed you the pathway you could go at that time. When I done my first one, I wasn't actually thinking about that. Mm. But... I just like being around and being surrounded by them people. Yeah. Sorry. We just had to uh, (laughs) make an adjustment to the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it always that you have to come and start being Holly and being camp? Because he's got an alter ego. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Holly as well. So they like calling me Holly. come out now and again. (laughs) (laughs) No, they they, uh, they call me Holly because they can't pronounce O's in uh, where he comes from. Uddersfield. Uddersfield. <laughs> so um, you've had your first bout. How'd that go, by the way? Wins it, stops in second round. Yes, yes. Come on, it was, it was the best feeling ever. I got out the ring and some fellas like rotten. Girl, can't believe that was your first fight. That was Basta. Make sure you do that again. And I was like, yeah. So I ran to my coach. I was like, look, there's any more of them. Put my name down. I'll do it. She was like, look, there's one next week. It's in in Warrington. It's not going to be on our club show, but. I can get you on it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put my name down and I went and won that one. Won the next one, won the next one. Wow. So now I'm 4-0 and, oh, and I'd stopped them all as well. I thought, oh my God, this boxing's easy. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a lot heavier as well. I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is boss. So then it comes to the time then of the national championships, the ABAs. If you win the ABAs, you become the champion of England. And at that time, God, 14 years ago, you just box, do your box. It was in UA category. So my coach was like, look, you've only had four. You could be potentially boxing people who have had like 20 or more. Mm. You can definitely be competitive. And if, if you box well and lose, there's England scouts there. So you might potentially get on the England team anyway. Oh, it's a difficult call to make. I was like, no brainer, put my name down. <laughs> put my name down, I'll do it. Got no fear. I thought it was easy. Right. I had two fights in one day, which now you would never, it, that would never happen. And I became the national champion. Amazing. So I was the champion of England and then obviously you're the champion of England. You have to go to start going to England camp. So I've got a top with Jonas on the back saying England. I was like, yes, yeah, straight up with this. So how did that take you to the Olympics? At that time, there wasn't even a women's boxing in the Olympics. We had to make a team GB, mm-hmm. which would never been done before. So people from up and down the country um, went to these assessments and there was only money and funding for nine athletes. I think there was like 57 people that went to the assessments and I was selected as one of the nine. From 2009 to 2012, you're training and I was competing against three or four people at different stages in 
in the, the one week category. So yeah, I had to do all that. A lot of dedication. It was a lot of not going to many family parties because <laughs> our family parties centered around food oh, and drink. Oh, so you couldn't eat cake. I couldn't, I couldn't. But oh, my favorite oh, thing man. in the world, ice cream as well. And yeah. I was like, I was trying to find all these diets and sorbets oh, and yeah. everything. What, ten, 10 years ago, protein ice cream wasn't a thing, yeah, was it? it wasn't even yeah. a thing, yeah. It wasn't a thing. So you're at the Olympics. Uh, how did that work out for you? Good. Yes. Uh, brilliant time. I, um, I come out with an Olympic record as well. Yeah. Me and Katie Taylor got the loudest noise of the whole Olympic Games. So, <laughs> um, it was madness. It was crazy. Am I right in saying that you was the first Olympic woman's boxer to box in, in the Olympics in London in I 2012? I was the first British woman to qualify, compete and win in the Olympics, yeah. What? That's an amazing what achievement. achievement. <laughs> yeah. Amazing achievement. I'll come up on Question of Sport one day and I'll be dead proud waiting for them yeah. to say yeah. <laughs> You'll know you've made it when yeah, it comes yeah. up on Question of Sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. saying that, I'll be made up. Uh, so you're, you're at the Olympics, um, you've had great achievement at the Olympics, the Olympics is finished, then what? I actually stayed to do the, the next Olympics. Um, I went to the Commonwealth Games in 2014, two years after, and just a freak accident in a um, bout I fell and I snapped two ligaments in my toe so when they'd realised that I'd snapped the two ligaments in my toe they said right you've got two options you either don't get the operation to reattach them and it could affect you in later life and you might always have pains with it or we can do the operation you're going to miss the qualifiers well I need my toe so yeah, of course. I decided to have the operation, which meant I missed the qualifiers for Rio. Because I knew I was going to miss the qualifiers for Rio, it meant that I just left the programme. Just going back a little bit to uh, Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor is obviously making some noise in the women's division now. It's, it's she always has done. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, losing to Katie Taylor, um, has that caused a little bit of rivalry between you two? She's beaten me before, but... Everyone was like, oh, how do you feel? And I was like, my dad said, it's the first time he's seen me uncontrollably sobbing. I, like, I held it together on the interviews, but I, I knew I'd give it everything. There's nothing else I could have given. I couldn't have done anymore. There was nothing else I could have done, so I could live with that. Yeah. I watched it that day. I just burst out crying, and I literally cried until about five o'clock in the morning. And then I was like, having words with myself, I was like, look, it's five o'clock in the morning. It happened like over 20 hours ago. Stop crying now. And then like... One little just loose tear just trickled down my face and I just burst out crying again. Oh, so I, I got I got to about nine o'clock. I got to about a normal time. I phoned my mum and phoned my dad. I was like, "Where are you? I'm coming. I'm leaving this village. I need to get out." <laughs> so then I went and see my mum and dad and I cried a bit more. And then I was over it. Then I was okay. Shortly after that, did you turn professional or was you still still in the GB sort of setup? No, I was in the GB setup yep. until 2014, okay. and then after the, the thing with the Commonwealth Games and. Um, the injury and I, I knew I wouldn't I wouldn't make it to, mm -hmm. to Rio I knew I wouldn't stay till Tokyo so there was no point in me staying there yeah. don't get me wrong I loved every minute when I was on GB but it's physically and mentally tough so just defining mentally how, how would you say that um, as an athlete it affects you when you're in them sort of um, environments? It's good in the sense of what we were saying before, everyone's working towards a target, everyone wants to qualify, everyone wants to get there, but you're also competing against people yeah. constantly. Everywhere you went, you was expected to get a medal. Yeah. And obviously boxing tournaments and knockout tournaments, once you lose, you're out the tournaments. And every month you're in a different country competing. 
So it's good that it keeps you busy, it keeps you on your toes, but one slip up and there's three people there to take your place. And it's it's that constant battle of I've always got to be good. And boxing, it's not like athletics or like football where it's got a season. When the amateur um, domestic season finishes, the international one starts and the international one is all year round. I suppose as well, it makes your mentality a little bit easier when you've got people like Anthony Joshua around you. I suppose that, you know, watching that specimen train will make you smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't the Josh he is now, but yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you know, there was Carl Yaffa, who's a, who's a world champion, Charlie Edwards, who's a world champion, Josh, who's a world champion, um, Josh Taylor, who's a world yeah. champion. So these have all gone on to be amazing pros as well. Yeah, yeah. But at that time, everyone was just wanted to do the Olympics and wanted to be at the Olympics and everyone was working towards that goal because that was the, the biggest tangible thing we could reach at that mm-hmm. time. What was your progression then moving forward? I'd been with my boyfriend at the time, a long time. Because um, the boxing had finished, we kind of agreed that it was time. So I had a baby, a little girl. Oh, lovely, lovely. She's four going on 40. <laughs> what strikes me about you, Tash, is that you're very pragmatic about stuff. It certainly doesn't come across that you will spend a lot of time feeling down in the dumps about the fact that X, Y or Z has happened. You got an injury and that must have been awful for you. It must have been a terrible period of time. You know, you knew you couldn't really go back and do that. You can qualify again. You can get to Rio. Then you knew you weren't going to do 2020. And you're like, oh, well, when that a baby? <laughs> you know, very pragmatic. I mean, that's a great approach. It just strikes me that you're very centred. I think I'd been there before. Do you know what I mean? Where one door shuts and another one opens so I wasn't okay. scared and to be fair I was mentally ready to leave there was younger kids coming up and coming through and there's some brilliant females on GB now I didn't want to go through that whole four year cycle of having to compete against them and do that thing again so I don't want to say it was a way out and a relief but it kind of was because presented itself it presented itself yeah and when I got pregnant anyway that was like but again, that was just another, I thought, oh yeah, pregnant, this is going to be, this is going to be great. This is going to be easy. And that opened the doorway to the whole another set of, of life skills that I just yeah. did never, oh, yeah. did never prepare yeah. myself for. And you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, babies are cute, babies are cute, babies are <laughs> But they don't tell you the, the struggles that and being a new mum has and everyone gives you advice and you're trying to take on all this advice and be the perfect mum for this perfect first child that you're going to create and, um, it's it's difficult and it's hard and you know you hear about the baby blues and yeah yeah was that something that affected you not as bad as I've seen other people but like I say I've grew up around kids and I've you'll see on my Instagram I've got twenty kids at, at any time you're always holding family. a different baby on your like, how many yeah. kids has she got I've only got one but everyone always says that like my sister will phone and say oh um, Jazz wants to stay I'll be like, yeah, yeah yeah she can stay that is then signal for the whole family yeah, to say yeah. oh are you having the kids oh I'm going to bring mine down I'm going to bring mine down I'm going to so that's what it is one, one phone rings and you, as soon as you say yeah you're opening the doorway to everybody um, it helped that a couple of my friends as well I'd had kids at the same time a couple of months before me but you will find your own way don't get too bogged down by by trying to be perfect because it, it you know nobody's perfect when you are a mum and you have your baby you lose your identity a little bit and it's quite difficult as a, a, a new parent to kind of bring that back 
and regain your identity again? Definitely. I, I'm pretty sure there was days that I didn't brush my teeth or my hair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you're so like, oh, the baby has to eat at this time and the baby has to be awake at this time. And you, the midwife will always say, oh, yeah, sleep when the baby sleeps. So, well, is the house going to clean itself yeah. when the baby cleans itself <laughs> yeah. as well? So. so how long after the baby did you step back into the boxing ring? I was happy. I'd got work with Sky okay. in schools and with the Youth Sport Trust and doing just different things that I wanted to do. I've always loved working with, with young people and trying to be Miss Meretta to another kid. Mm-hmm. And then Katie Taylor turned professional. Um, Sky got me in to commentate on her fight. Tom Stalker phoned me. Tom had now, he turned professional and uh, he was now a scout for MTK. He phoned me and was like, um, did you see Katie's fight? Wouldn't you think about going back into it? I was like, shut up, Tom. And then they had to laugh about it and put the phone down. I was like, actually, what is stopping me? I went away and talked to me, like me close friends and my family because they're the ones that see when I was crying for, for 20 hours after the Olympics after I lost, nobody else seen that apart from my family and friends and nobody knows that, you know, when I was heartbroken that I, I knew I wouldn't make the Rio Olympics. And so I went and talked to them. My mum, she's never been interested in boxing or anything and... Once I started boxing, my mum knew every single thing about every single amateur <laughs> boxer, female boxer ever. She, she just knew it. And my mum was like, I think it's brilliant. I think it's amazing, you know, good to get you back in the thing. And I th- she was like, well, on board. And everyone was on board. And I was thinking, if I'm going to go pro, I probably need to think about a trainer. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, oh, let's yeah. start looking at trainers. There's Rob McCracken, who's obviously been my GB coach. Yeah. There's Tony Sims. There was the McGuigan's. There's, um, who was on my list? There was obviously Joe Gallagher. There was someone else, Adam Booth. A lot of them are in London. Some trainers have got good people, world champions, yeah. but Joe's took people who people never thought would be there. Mm. Like, don't want to be disrespectful, but, but like the likes of Crawler. Um, no one ever expected when he turned over that he'd ever be a world champion, and Joe's took him from that to that. And I thought, if, if there's someone that can take me from, you know, this out of shape mum to being a world beater, it'll be Joe. And that's why I, I messaged him and said, look, I'm thinking about this. Would you take me on? Um, he did. He put me on a trial. And then it spiralled from there. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, so you spoke to a lot of people about potentially coming back into professional sport. So it's almost like you needed that external validation. Mentally, did you believe that you had what it takes to take it to the next level? At that particular moment, mm. If my heart is with it mm. and my head's with it, I can do anything. Yeah. It was just, like you said, I did need that validation of input. Yeah. And to be fair, my priorities had changed. Obviously, it was still going to be about the results, but my priority was my little girl. Mm-hmm. When I used to lose on GB, it had wrecked my whole life for like yeah. a month until I went to the next competition. <laughs> but I knew like there was a bigger picture. I didn't want to lose, but if I did lose, it's not going to be the end of the world. I'm still going to go home. Yeah. Healthy to me, little girl, do you know what I mean? So I had that in the back of my mind as well. Do you think having your little girl awoken the beast a little bit? Because you're no longer fighting for you. You're fighting for that little person there. So do you think that opened up a can of worms for them people in that ring? It definitely gives you a different motivation and a different drive. Um, I do want to see that you can be successful. I do want to see just because nobody else does it that you can't. I do want to see... 
just because it's not deemed as womanly to box that you can still do it. Mm. I, I wanted to see and believe and feel all them things and uh, I wanted to know that she can do anything she wants to if she believes in herself. So, One thing I like about you, Natasha, is you take everything in your stride. And it's it's really nice to see. Mm. It wasn't always like that. Always like that. Okay. <laughs> so, what has helped you develop that then? Um, I think just life in general. You know, there is a bigger picture. I mean, I have been known in my earlier days of football yeah. to take off my footy boots and throw them at my own players <laughs> um, when I thought that they weren't trying as hard as I was. So, um, I have. Yeah, it's definitely something I've I've ever learned to be like. I don't know. I don't know where that come from. Maybe maybe my granddad he's Jamaican, so maybe yeah. I've got that laid back thing from him. So um, getting a bit older and wiser. Yeah. yeah, I think it is just it's just development as you as you go along. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you you start to to realise that you might lose that time, but you can win the next time. Yeah, and yeah. in boxing, you've got to control your anger, and it can't be detrimental to your performance. It has to be able to inspire and and, and push you on. And how did you find the transition from? amateur to professional when i was a prof- um, amateur we was in a point scoring system mm. where if three judges agreed at the same time you've got a point and yeah. um, they've changed that system since and it's a bit more professional where now you just win the round so they have a winner or a loser for the round which is like the professionals but it wasn't when i was an amateur so when i came to professional it wasn't about how many shots you landed even though it kind of is mm-hmm. it's about how much you hurt that person in the round um, and that's different you know I was quite good on my feet where it, you've got to hit and not be hit an amateur but in professional you've got to stand there and slug it out yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah, so yeah. Um, it's better to be light and quick whereas in the pros it's better to be steady and hard you know that's where we did pretty well in the pros mate <laughs> <laughs> so um, what's next for you um I still do a lot of work in, in, in local schools and, and especially in, in the deprived areas of Liverpool because I don't see myself as a, a, a role model or like a, a, a motivational kind of figure, but I do want to put out there that like you can dream big, you know, you don't have to have this small mind, small area attitude towards life. There's bigger, better things out there and you can you can do them. I'm not saying that everyone's going to be an Olympian or everyone's going to be a professional footballer, but you know yourselves there's certain things that sport in, instills in you and, and qualities life skills that you can relate to throughout your life you know I work hard I'm disciplined I'm punctual I was even early today which oh, we know we're yeah. five minutes early today <laughs> so you know there are things if you're an employer and you you, you what you, you want you want someone who's hard working you want someone who's going to be on time you want someone who's reliable you want someone who can work to you know targets and stuff and mm. their skills that can take it on in life and that's what that's what sport instills and I'm not out there promoting boxing I'm out there promoting a healthy lifestyle life skills yeah Yeah. so can you sing Natasha (laughs) (laughs) listen when I am in my shower on my own I am Beyonce all the way through Beyonce Whitney Mariah all the time but when I'm in public I I was singing the other day just like belting tunes out at the light and I just happened to glance across and the, the woman was like I was just to say, what is she doing? I was like, going for what it. Were you, what were you singing at it. the time? Do you remember? Um, I think it was... Um, uh-uh. You know. You yeah. just don't want to say. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name. It was a fantasy. Yeah, a fantasy, Mariah. You know that uh, um, yeah. Rush Hour tune? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so close. So close. I was going, I was going in. Something else with that song. I was going, yeah. By the way, while I remember... Weren't you in a movie? Because you're on IMDb. 
Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> so there's two, two actresses Natasha, too. There's the Natasha Jones and Natasha Jonas. Now Natasha Jones, I think, is in Mean Girls or something. Because every week when that used to be on, I'd get like a load of followers, and everyone like, "Oh, you were brilliant in this week's episode." <laughs> and I was like, "That's not me. That's the wrong not me." Person. But so you, then you I weren't. Went, I done clink. Yeah. Yes, you were. Uh, yeah, you clink, were. Yeah, oh, amazing. Yeah. And what was oh, that like cool. for you? It's crazy because I can be in a, an arena in front of ten thousand people, whatever, and. And it just doesn't bother me at all. I like have, I get into a room where there's me and about fifty people. There's the light and crew. There's a sound people. There's camera people. There's production staff, and there's the people that are in the scene. And that I ask one line to learn, oh. and everyone else has got like paragraphs and paragraphs. I have one line to learn, and I can't do it. <laughs> so I was like, everyone would be like giving me the eyes to say it's your turn. And, I was like, and, it, and then you're obviously pretending to be someone else. In that in that, that situation, kind of setting, yeah. I was so far out of my comfort zone; it was unbelievable. And but it was a good experience to do sort of new. And I thought, yeah, maybe. I see maybe. myself, yeah. But Rihanna can play me in my life story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh god, yeah. So uh, it was good. It was, yeah, is anyone out there amazing. that needs a boxer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boxer slash actor. Yeah, yeah. I've heard Jane coaches uh, doing a life story, so yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I'll be Lucy Riker. <laughs> That's amazing. There's going to be a lot of girls that are going to be listening to this and you are a massive role model totally what advice would you give these girls if they're wanting to get into only boxing but if they want to get into sport what's your lasting message that you give these girls pressure <laughs> um, gotta you know, be good I'm trying to think of like a, a couple of come buzzwords on, but come no, on no. now gotta be good you've got to not scared to be different. Yeah. Not not scared to be different and just follow your own path and not no one else's. You know, you've got, you, you can only answer to yourself at the end of the day. And I was reading a, a book and it was saying about when they was asking people who was coming towards the end of their life, what they wish that they hadn't done. And they said the regrets was their regrets, like the, the things that they never done, the chances that they never took. You know what, no matter what happened for me in my life, I've always said, right, I'll take the opportunity while it's there. And if it doesn't work out, and I can, at least I can say I did it. Like America never worked out. You know, Commonwealth Games didn't work out. The Olympics 2016 never worked out. But there's nothing in my life that I regret. Like, I, I don't regret it. I've took the chances at every opportunity. And, you know, a chance can be there and be gone as quick as it's there. So you, you've got to take them while they're there and just, just go with it. Natasha Jonas, it's been great having you on Life After. Cheers, thank you. I could go for another two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Natasha. I really enjoyed Natasha's podcast there. Um, yeah, yeah. There were some principles in there that was really, really great. She, and she had to really work very hard for everything she got. Do you know, that's something that I took away. The fact that uh, she was going to go into football, wasn't she? Yeah. That was a big thing. And then kind of found boxing. But all the way through, she's had to work really, really hard. She's, she came from a background where... She wasn't given to her on a plate. No, exactly. And and you can you can hear um, during the episode that both boxing and football was 50-50. She's got a sister as well that's that's playing, you know, high level football and Oh yeah, you mentioned this to me. Yeah, real, real good player. And there was an article on them, um, the Liverpool Sporting Sisters. Amazing. Yeah, it was really, really good. I was a bit disappointed Natasha didn't bring a medal. Yeah, in. I was. I really <laughs> wanted to see the medal. But one one of the things that I, I took out, I don't know about you, Phil, from this, but she spoke a lot about being at school and she had one person who helped her through that whole process that's still with her today yeah. comes to her boxing matches, Miss Moretta. Yeah. And she was the head of PE at the time when she was at school. And it sounds like Miss Moretta was like 
I don't know, like her mentor. Yeah. Through yeah. The, those those early stages and kind of onwards of her life. And it's true. We, we, we kind of all need somebody just to sound off on, even if it's a mate, where you say, oh, what do you think about this? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that stuff's really important. And, and Natasha was really lucky to have Miss Moretta, a professional, who pointed her in the right direction. Yeah, and, you know, Miss Moretta as well knew she had the capabilities to be the best at what she does. And yes. do you remember the point where she was saying, um, you know, bloody hell, I wanted to be captain, but she'd never pick me. Yes. You know, and little lessons in there that Miss Moretta was teaching her is that your outside life is not good enough to, to warrant to be captain. Because yeah. you're, not, you're not showing it, you're not showing it fully, which I thought was was great. You, you're not showing the principles that principles. a captain needs to live by yes. to come and be captain. Exactly. And that's really important, I think. You know, because it, being a captain, you're leading by example, aren't you? Sure. So, you know, like Natasha also did mention about turning up on time. For God's sake, she was five minutes early for our yes. podcast, you know. <laughs> so, was. yeah. So, you know, those little things, those little things about an athlete matter, especially in those in those um, professional environments. And those little things translate outside of athletics and sport into everyday life. And obviously, this is 100%. what life after is about. 100%. Um, being inclusive to everybody, isn't it? Yeah. Where, where you can listen to different individuals' life experiences and try and take something with you. Yeah, 100%. And another interesting factor as well is mm. that... Um, when she was talking about having a baby, being a, a sporty mum with children, and you know she spoke about her struggles and how she overcome them as well. You know, being being a mum, which I found very very interesting. It's a real human side to Natasha, which yeah. I really enjoyed listening to, and it was a real privilege to be in the same room as her. Yeah, knowing her achievements, but she's just a normal, just a normal person. She was a real pleasure to be speak to actually. And, you know, she's been in the presence of so... Like, Anthony Joshua. I know. She's fought... Carl Zaggy. Carl Zaggy. She's fought um, Katie Taylor, like, one of the best female boxers ever. And you she know. was a bit... Yeah, it's right. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I've done it. I've been there. I've done it. Yeah. And, you know, it's all good. I mean... I don't know about you as well, Ollie, but I felt we got a real good insight as to what it's like in the GB environment. Mm. You know, the, the will to win, and they're always competing with each other. And, you know, just the, the, the intense environment. I really enjoy talking about that with her. Do you think, though, if that, if that was to translate to, you know, people that don't play sport, that aren't professional mm. athletes, just, you know, um, whoever who works doing whatever yeah. but wants to improve their life, do you think that the competitive side can potentially be a bit destructive outside of sport? Yeah. Or do you think it, it can help and not hinder outside of sport? Because I understand why you need to be competitive within a sporting environment, because that's what sport's all about, winning, right? But I'm not entirely sure that in life you need to win at everything. Yeah. But is there a way that it does translate into everyday life? Do you see what I'm kind of getting at? Oh, completely, yeah, yeah. And I think it's how you sort of stamp it. Because if you're in competition with everybody, mm. you'll see through people for what they're trying to do, yeah. you know? Um, where if you're just trying to better yourself and you're taking that energy to... In competition with yourself. Competition with yourself. Yes. Yeah. Then that's a different kettle of fish then, isn't it? Yes. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was a great conversation. And one of the, I think the biggest thing that I took away, the biggest thing was the fact that Natasha Jonas loves to sing to Mariah Carey yeah. in the car. Doesn't it show how normal she is though? <laughs> it really Honestly, does. mate. Yes. Yeah. So, um, another thing that I 
quite liked as well. Um, when she was speaking about the culture and the environment she's been in, when she first walked into the Gallagher's gym and there was Tony Bellew there and they're all cheering for her and she, she enjoyed and found that environment very, very infectious. You know, as a former athlete as well, I feel that when you've got people like that around you that are encouraging you and, and pushing you to your, your optimal sort of um, performances, it does really kind of push you to another level. And she found a culture there that she's never, ever sort of found before. And I really found that very, very interesting. And if you can relate that back to your own personal life, you know, a culture or a group of individuals that you know or that you're part of their friendship circle sometimes, but you don't dip in too much, mm. make more effort to be part of that. Because yeah. if they're encouraging and infectious people, those are the people that you need around exactly. you to kind of move forward in your life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, I'm very lucky. I found my guy. I found my guy. Hey, I love you, my friend. I mean, even though we haven't trained together for a while, <laughs> I, you're still in my head when I'm doing my four-mile run every morning. Come on, Ollie. I'm not from Huddersfield for nothing. Come on. No, but in all seriousness, yeah. Natasha was great. Loved her. Oh, she was, mate. She really, really was. I really enjoyed speaking to her. Life After. Next time on Life After, we speak to... Hi, I'm Carl Austin Bayon. LGBT advisor to the Mayor of Greater Manchester, but also uh, wear many, many hats with various charities and organisations that I'm a part of. So when the Air Force actually asked me, RAF police were there, and it was a case of, SAC Austin, do you have homosexual tendencies? I could, back then, have gone to military prison for six months. The next time you hear of any racism or any homophobic comments during even a Premier League match, mm. I would love to see that referee have the guts to stop the game there and then, yeah. get everybody off, shut it down. Yeah, wow. It's the only way that the FA are going to take any notice. After. Part of my role is to sort of find people within um, within our communities who is deserveable of like the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service, for people to get in the honours, so the MBE, OBE, okay. that sort of thing, to find oh, people to, to, to do that. Um, like an X-Factor judging panel. <laughs> yeah, in, in, a, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Simon. And, and, and it, <laughs> at least your trousers yeah. don't come yeah. up to one of your armpits, you know. <laughs> you, you could have been worse than it could have been Louis. Um, <laughs> Carl Austin Bayan, uh, he is our next guest on Life After, LGBTQ activist, rights activist. He is the loveliest bloke. He has had an incredible life right from the time when he was in the REF and serving overseas right back in the 90s all the way up to now some incredible stories and an incredible story of life after what he went through as well one you definitely shouldn't miss don't forget next episode the last Monday of the month so last Monday of May is when you'll be able to hear Carl Austin Bayan uh, in the meantime Phil and I want to say thank you so much for listening to Life After uh, Ollie, I just want to say one thing mate. so you always want to say one I thing. I know, I know, I know. But Can't shut mate, him up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I just want to say, big up to the... Oh, God, oh, God you're <laughs> massive. Big up to the... No, God, do you want to... No, start uh, again. No, no, don't start again. This is going into the final edit. Do, do you want to attend and tatlies with that? <laughs> I'm a John Smith man. Eh? <laughs> Who do you want to big up? We've had some um, international listeners, mate. <gasps> we are going worldwide, baby. <laughs> so, hey, I just want to say thank you very much. Um, our first podcast was a real, real hit, and we were very, very humbled by Received the response. so well. Yeah. And you're right. Thank you so much for that. And we've, we've had listeners listening to podcasts in Brazil. 
in France, in the States, in the in United Kingdom, um, well, Australia, Australia. <laughs> I don't have a bloody answer. <laughs> Australia, um, even bloody Japan. That's oh, crazy. Man. Right, yeah, well, it's just amazing. So. One, one podcast in and we're already hitting the four corners of the globe. How good's that? Amazing. So thank you so much. Yeah. Life after... Um, was it Thundercats who used to say, Thundercats, assemble! That was... Um, was it Transformers? The, no, that was the Captain America Marvel. Um, the, yeah. anyway. Sorry, uh, okay, yes, anyway, 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 put your glasses back up your nose. Actually, I think you'll find that was Captain, uh, Captain yeah. America Marvel. Sorry about that. Anyway, whatever. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> uh, I don't even think it was Captain America. <laughs> <laughs>